At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. What's good, fam? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. It has creation tools to help you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or from your computer. Anchor will even help distribute your podcast to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Everything you need to make a podcast, it's all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Dear Son Podcast. This is a safe space where men share their fatherhood journey. These conversations are transparent and more importantly, vulnerable. Now, because each fatherhood story is situationally nuanced, some topics are heavier than others. The commonality found amongst all the guests is a genuine desire to help and inspire other men through telling their story. Welcome to episode five of the Dear Son podcast. This week, we're going to jump right into the content. Now, I am still on a high from episode four. If you haven't checked it out, I recommend that you do so. I recommend you check out every episode, but specifically episode four, Dear Son, Let Me Explain, a conversation with my father. Now, my father and I have a great relationship now, and that is a blessing wasn't always great. And that was the genesis of the conversation, really just sharing our perspective with each other on how we perceived our relationship, the way that it's developed over time, specifically in my younger years. Very interesting conversation, very enlightening. One thing that stood out for me in that conversation was I was throwing out quotes to him that I recall from my youth. And I was getting a little bit more of the backstory on where he got it from or what he meant by it. One quote specifically that really caused me to reevaluate my relationship with my son after I watched it was, I'm your father, I'm not your friend. And while that may seem seem a little bit harsh or sound a little bit harsh, his explanation made 
a lot of sense, right? He was more interested in giving me the tools, the discipline, the information that I needed to become a man, right? Become a contributing member of society, uh, not to find my way to any prison cycles or um, not necessarily uh, prison cycles, but um, any prison systems, I would say, right? He wanted to keep me on a straight and narrow and he felt the best way to do that was to be an authority and not to be my friend. Caused me to look at my relationship with my son and reevaluate how much of a friend am I being to him versus a parent. And I don't think I, I err too much on the side of friendship, but there are a couple of things that, that I had to take a look at. I had to really evaluate the root cause of why I'm treating him a certain way and why I tolerate certain things. So I thought back to my childhood and my experience with my father and you know, there were, my, my dad was really clear on a lot of things, but you know, a, a few things he was crystal clear on where he stood, right? Respect, religion, rules, reverence. Those things were non-negotiable in his house, in his life. He was very, very firm on that. Specifically religion, right? We, we weren't allowed to do a lot of secular things in the house. Well, I shouldn't say secular things, but specifically secular music, right? That was something that me and my father didn't connect on. Um, all he played was gospel, really quartet music, music that I, did, I didn't really care for, his taste in, in gospel music I didn't care for. And I, rem I remember one day specifically, Right. I was home by myself. I had to be 12, somewhere between 12 and 14. I was old enough to stay home by myself. And I was responsible enough to make sure that my chores were done before my parents came home. My dad would get home first. So that was kind of that was. That was the boundary, right? Things had to be done before my father got home. Wasn't a question about it. And I really didn't. I really didn't slack in that area because I just I, I was able to time it out that I can get my chores done maybe a couple minutes before he came in. But this particular day, I must have had a lot of time right between getting my chores done and my father getting home. So I used to have to listen to music, uh, sneak and listen to music on the radio. My dad had given me his old stereo set. It had a receiver and it had a tape deck and I would stay close to the radio to record songs that I wanted to hear again and again, right? Because it, it wasn't an option for, for me to go to the store and get a, get a tape. He definitely wasn't going to get a, uh, a, a tape for me. And I would do this constantly. My sister and I would do it too. I'm calling her out. Yeah. Right. Quick aside. First rap I ever learned was I'm bad. LL Cool J. Anybody can test me on that. At least for the first verse, getting back on track. Not only did I like music, I listened to it so much and remembered the words so much that I thought I could rap. And this particular day, I was in the studio. I was in the stew. And I lost track of time and my dad came home 
and I'm just rapping. I'm getting at it. I thought I was killing it. And I feel this heat on the back of my neck. And I turn around and my father is there. Now, I don't know how long he had been standing there. So I had to, I had to recall what I was saying, but I, I couldn't remember exactly what I was saying and where, because I was, I was slowing. I was an MC, right? But I knew I had cussed. I knew I had said a curse word at some point, And I had no idea if my father heard it. And you want to talk about paralysis. He just stared at me. What seemed to be an eternity shook his head in disgust and walked out the room. Now, of course, I thought that was going to be more to follow at some point, but we never talked about it again, never discussed it. He just gave me this look like I was so, from my perspective, disappointing. I was disappointing him by choosing to put time and effort into this secular music, right? And it's not like it was going anywhere, people. I mean, I was nice, but you know, I wanted basketball. I didn't want to rap. But anyhow, that, that, and I don't know if he recalled it, but that one incident let me know that I, that that was something that we weren't going to be able to have in common, right? We weren't going to be able to share it. There was no conversation about it. It was just straight disappointment. So all I did was listen to more secretly, right? I invested so much time and effort into listening to this music that was forbidden in my house that that became like I knew so much of it and it was constantly playing in my head. And I'm not saying that it impacted me, but as a point of rebellion, I turned to the most destructive, the most filthy, the most um, crude uh, lyrics that I could find. And that's what I packed into my brain. Sure, it had some kind of some kind of uh, (laughs) some kind of impact on me, but just out of pure rebellion and not being able to have a discussion because that wasn't an opportunity. That's the course that I took. Now, I know that sounds silly and doesn't sound like a lot, but it, it, it started. It started a series. Of actions. And behaviors. That that just built in that same vein, right? Thinking that I couldn't talk to my parent, to my father specifically. About something that I was interested in because I I kind of knew that it was. No, this is not what this is not what we're about. This is not what that family represents. These are the rules. And there was just no discussion. So I didn't I didn't seek to discuss it. I just like I said, these behaviors built and built over time and I would just hide them. Right. I recall one time a later, a little bit later in life that, you know, by this time I was driving. So this was years later. Right. High school, I want to say I was in 11th grade. I went out with a couple of couple of my boys. June Rock and Grani Dean. Yeah, I'm calling y'all out. This is nothing incriminating, but this is just for, for context. So y'all chill out. We were literally hanging out, having a good time. 
not committing any crimes, not thinking about any crimes, not doing anything wrong, just out hanging out, being silly, doing silly things that high school people do. I lost track of time and I was driving this particular night. So I had to drop everybody off and go home. When I get home, I'm going into the room. I know I'm late. My room at that time was next to my parents' room. So I think that I'm, you know, tiptoeing in. I was avoiding the steps that had the squeaks and made noises. I get to the top of the stairs. I think I'm good. As I'm about to step in my room, my father says, put the keys on the dresser. We'll discuss it later. Actually, I think he said, empty your pockets. Something to that effect. So I didn't have a chance to go in my room. I had to give everything to him or put it on his dresser. And I had a pager. An unauthorized pager. My dad was so disgusted at the fact that I had a pager and I couldn't understand it. Because I was paying for it. I mean, the pager was only like $3 a month, Smartbeat. If anybody's familiar with that on the East Coast, or maybe it was just in Virginia. But it was literally to stay in contact with my friends. Now, I knew I had to hide it from my parents because my dad would have just said no. And there probably wouldn't have been a lot of discussion about it. But what I believe his perspective was is that that pager represented me selling drugs. That had to be the furthest thing from the truth. But he was just so disgusted that I had a page and I just remember him. You know, he kept saying they gave my son a pager. They gave my son a pager. They gave my son a pager. And I couldn't figure it out because everybody that I knew had pagers. That would have been an opportune time to actually have a conversation around what he perceived to be true. But we didn't. I was disciplined for some time. And at some point, I got the keys back to the car as well as the pager. And then that would be his way of keeping in contact with me. Right? So it sounds like all is well that ends well, but we missed the complete opportunity to actually have dialogue around what he thought my activities were and what they really were. Again, that just reinforced this narrative in my mind that I got to hide more of my behavior from my parents, specifically my dad, right? Because there's, there doesn't seem to be any, any dialogue when, when things are going or when things are getting sketchy, there seemed to be only discipline from my perspective, right? Now he has a totally different, not totally different perspective, but based on the way that he was raised and the way that he was attempting to raise me, he thought the worst. He thought the worst in that scenario. And I'm sure some, you know, he, he, he had some, some revelation at some point that, you know, and that's how I got the pager back. 
but it really made me feel some type of way that that was the thing that he thought that I was doing, right? It was this device represents something in his mind. The fact that I had it made him assume that I was associated with drug sales or that I was a, a drug dealer. By the time I was in 12th grade, I was hiding so much from my parents that um, I was really headed down a, a, a very negative path. In 12th grade, I recall specifically, there was a period where I had alcohol in the house. I had a bottle of E&J stashed between the bed and the wall in my parents' house. Now, if they had found out about this, I would have probably lost a limb or two. But I was at a point where I was looking for I was just rebelling and I was looking for other behaviors and things that I wanted to do to be so different from what my dad was that I was just trying it, right? Now, luckily, it did not become a major problem, right? Like, I didn't turn into an alcoholic. But the lack of a dialogue between me and my father at that time, just from differences of opinion, me being stubborn, him being set in his ways, based on how, you know, he was, he was reared and what was acceptable and what wasn't in his house. We got to this place where I don't think my parents knew who I was. I know my dad didn't know who I was specifically. He may have had some thoughts, but just that lack of, that lack of communication, my reaction to it was, there's nothing that I can do I felt like there wasn't, I didn't feel like I could take anything to my father. And we talked about that in the last episode where we had reached a point of disconnect and I actually ran away. And I won't rehash it on this episode, but my father's reaction when he explained it to me on that episode was that he felt that that was a symbol that was me communicating that I was so I was so far removed or I wanted to be so far removed from being his son that I was acting out in that way and he thought he had lost me forever he disciplined me for that as well deserved but we didn't really have the conversation about The root cause. And I think that is what we missed throughout our entire relationship is it's like we went straight to discipline. And I get that. A few episodes back, I talked about the whole stand a child's place. What does that mean? That's how he grew up. He grew up being seen, not heard. Very few explanations were given to him. And there were expectations that he would act in accordance with um, the rules of the house, 
and represent his family a certain way. All of which is reasonable, but in my case, I was the child that asked why. I was the child that had to touch the hot stove. I was the child that if I didn't understand it, I couldn't do it. Not that I couldn't do it. I didn't want to do it and I would do it begrudgingly and I would always have an attitude about it. And I'm not suggesting that my parents, you know, my dad specifically should have catered to me and my attitude, but I do have to look at what the fine balance is. So here we are today, me as a father, two sons, one of which is 14 years old, entering that, that phase of life where he wants to challenge things. He wants to learn and explore different things. And I find myself in this weird place of still wanting to be so different from my father and raise my son so differently than my father did that at times I'm the cool dad. I find myself listening to the music with my son in the car. And sometimes I catch myself bobbing my head to the beat because it's just the beat, right? And then I pay attention to the lyrics and I feel, and I feel conflicted. I grew up wanting to have the cool dad that would allow me to listen to it. My dad wasn't that guy. He wasn't going to co-sign the lyrics or the content that just wasn't appropriate for me at the time or some of it at any point, really. And it almost feels like, um, it almost feels like I'm a hypocrite because I'm picking moments that I think are bringing me closer to my son. when I probably should be protecting his ears from it at this point. And it's not like I'm not so naive to suggest that I can keep any and all music from him. They all have devices. I'm, I'm not, I can't be in his room 24 hours a day, but it gave me pause and made me think like, what message am I communicating by agreeing with, just as a simple example, some of the music that he listens to. And I don't have the answer today, right? Again, this is part of my journey. And that's something that I really need to evaluate because I find myself now taking breaks from music because I need to get my head in a certain space. I need to be focused. If I continue to be too cool with my son, what habits will he pick up? Will he feel like he's able to come to me 
when these things are presented, these temptations are presented and seek advice to help him navigate through it. Right. I'm not, again, I'm not so naive to, to think that he's not going to experience anything. My, any of my children are not going to experience anything, but to what extent does my desire to be cool with them impact their development, his development specifically as a young man. So now I know this may seem, may seem like fluff to some, right? Music isn't an issue. Maybe music isn't a challenge. Maybe it's something else. From the outside looking in, I had a great family situation, great home, loving parents. And that's true. But if I could have had more meaningful conversations with my father, I think that I would have a different perspective for some of the behaviors that I took on. And not that they wouldn't have happened ever in life. But that was a very critical part of my life where those conversations would have been very helpful. This is not a dad bashing platform. These are things that my father and I talk about now with the goal of ending again, the negative generational cycles. But I'm in a place where I have to be accountable to myself, to my family. And as this podcast is highlighting to my sons, there are so many new and different challenges that these children are dealing with. The age of information. Everything is at warp speed. You can't get in front of every topic before your child experiences it. Or at least I, I, I have not been able to, to crack that code. But I know I got to do a better job of some of the major ones and what he consumes is a bit concern for me. I would challenge you to look at your relationship for those that have sons, even for the women listening to have sons and women. I appreciate you. Listen, I see your comments. I, I appreciate the feedback, but look at those areas where maybe you're airing on the side of friendship when the child may need authority. That's my call to action for this episode. I appreciate you guys tuning in. If you made it to this point in the episode, please follow on the audio platform of your choice. However, you're listening to it now. If you're on the video experience on YouTube, please subscribe. Please like this video. Please like this video. That is, and leave a comment. I'm very interested in if anything, number one, resonated with you. If you disagree with anything, I'm not here for everybody to agree with me. I am here sharing my experiences today, just my experience. Um, in other episodes is having conversations with other men about their journey. 
and how that informs how they uh, parent today or how they carry themselves as men today. But I think we need to take inventory of of how we interact with our sons. I think we need to have more conversations. I think we need to be more open. If you figured that out, please leave a comment. I would like to have conversations with uh, with men that are maybe further down the path than I am, or maybe just more mature in the in their fatherhood experience, and have figured out crack the code in some of these areas where um, you know others could use some help, specifically me. So I appreciate you guys. Uh, again, I'm I, I really. I probably watched the previous episode 10 times. That was such a release to have that conversation with my father. And I challenge anybody, even if you think your relationship has always been great with your dad, just have a, a no nonsense, nothing's off limit conversation about clarity and the story of your childhood, your father's childhood, to the extent that you can go to generations prior to that, it's very enlightening and it'll help you see and understand pressures that our fathers face, information that, you know, they may not have had in a timely fashion. And the reality is parents are just people. They're trying to figure it out day by day and that journey never ends. So appreciate you guys spending time with me. God bless you. Peace. Dear Son Podcast is produced by D. John's Live Studios. All rights reserved. is in the air at Littleton Coin Company and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.